Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Career Gems for the Journey. I am Leah, and as you guys know that Ama is out on maternity leave, and she is snuggling and enjoying all of the best parts of being exhausted at the same time, getting all the love and drool and snuggle she can. So we're sending her love and good vibes while she's away. But my guest co-host is with me today, Diana Housling. Diana, say hello to the people. Hello, people. So excited to be here. Missing Alma, but really, really psyched for this conversation. Yes. And Diane's going to introduce a special guest in just one minute. There's a couple of just housekeeping items we need to make sure we take care of. So first, wanted to mention that Career Gems for the Journey was named to the top 20 career coaching podcast by Feedspot. Boom, right? We're out here doing all the things, but we don't do this work to get accolades, to get acknowledged, but it's nice, right? Like I don't go to work every day to not get paid, but I do do this work because I think that it's valuable, right? And there's lots of people who could benefit from having these kinds of insights, right? And hearing these conversations. So shout out to Feedspot for acknowledging us in that way. Go over to LinkedIn and check out our LinkedIn post. If you'd like to see a little bit more about that, show us some love on that platform. And now we're getting to the body of the conversation. Diana is going to introduce our special guest. And we're going to talk today about using fear as fuel. And all of us experience fear in different ways. But I think these two, our special guests and Diana, are really going to take us through a pretty amazing experience that they were able to transfer fear into fuel to do some amazing things. So Diana, why don't you introduce our guest? You all should be extremely jealous, but grateful because I personally feel it's so critical to have your own board of directors, your own tribe. And two of the women that are on this podcast are like leaders, making me be great, but also stopping me from doing dumb shit. Um, So I'm just thrilled to have them both in the same place at the same time in a conversation. Like I can't even contain myself. So I want to introduce Serbi Pokria. Um, who is an industry, like you name stats on stats on stats, she's got them. Not only that, but she is just like a wealth of knowledge and one of my favorite people on the planet. And my go-to, whether I'm happy, stressed, or need that boost, or, you know, just that like, keep going girl. So Serby, welcome, welcome. So excited to have you here. 
Thank you, girl. Thank you so much. I don't know about wealth of knowledge, but you are the wealth of warmth for me. So totally back at you. When I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm indifferent. Any other emotions, Diana is my hotline. So, so glad to be here. Thank you so much, Leah, for having me. You are welcome, Serbi. So the reason why you guys are both here and the reason why I am in here is because we want to bring together powerful conversations, right, about career. And you two are like the epitome of powerful conversations and evolutions in career. And you two are also really strong, dynamic women. And I think this, there's a narrative, right, that I kind of just want to myth bust. And um, I think some of the stories that you guys are going to share today will help us. This narrative that powerful women can't be in the same space, that they don't create community for one another. And I think the narrative is really served by white men, right, <laughs> to benefit from this idea of, you know, there can only be one and a very scarcity mindset. So Diana, talk a little bit about just your experience in navigating that kind of narrative. And then talk to us a little bit about how you and Serbi have overcome some of that in your past collaborations. And then even, you know, in other organizations you've worked in. Yeah, I, even in my relationship with you, Leah, I think before we even met each other, um, we were leading an ERG or I was leading an ERG and I needed a co-chair and, before I met Leah, they were like, yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to fit. You know, based off of your personality and her personality, it wouldn't work. And, and they told me they the were, same thing. Yeah. They, they were, and they were so like, literally the first meeting, it was like, oh yeah, this is going to, this is really going to work. Like the yin to my yang, the like, you know, there is, I care and I, I care about you enough to tell you when you're imperfect. And I know enough about you to know that you don't know how great you are, but you got me for that. And wow. that started at such an early point. It's funny because the dynamic with Serbi was exactly the same from that first conversation. And I think for us, we work in a similar sphere. So typically when you work with somebody in a similar sphere, people assume that, that, that they're your competition. And I think that we are very competitive, but it takes a different form. Yeah. Sir, I'd love to get your perspective on that and the, the competitive nature and how, you know, we just push each other to be better. Let me try to visualize this for people on audio, right? I know because this is an audio podcast. First of all, congrats, Leah, for making the feedcasting. That is so impressive for, for yeah. such a short amount of time, what all you have achieved. So think of Diana as someone tall, imposing, impressive, super fabulous woman who walks in a room and all heads will turn. She's all, from my vantage point, she's almost six, six feet. I don't know if she is. <laughs> and I'm also, I'm also vertically challenged, Serbi. So <laughs> she is the tall friend who does Correct. all of the things. She's the one who's usually looking down at you mm. in the nicest way, okay? And <laughs> I am the one who walks into the room, the petite, five foot nothing, even with block heels, maybe five foot one inch or something. And we hit it off like nobody's business. We were potentially doing jobs, like Diana said, which had similar skill set or people perceived to be similar skill set. And it was a new, you know, new area that the company was not very aware of. So the fear, the unsaid fear was they're going to go at it. They're going to be headbutting all the time. They won't align. It was so odd that we just agreed on most things. And wherever we disagreed, we disagreed so openly 
and so with so much trust and belief in each other to push the business forward to push the people forward so it just almost happened organically like two peas in a pod i don't know if we designed it or what and it it continued way after we started working together so she truly has the courage to keep me honest to lift my spirits be it 3 am in the morning or 6 am in the morning and i hope to do the same you know for her every single time being a woman of color and a woman in corporate ranks is a very only and lonely journey for a lot of us right whichever jobs you know we have done you know through our careers especially for me as a woman of color and also an immigrant on top of that right it's the whole cultural nuance that is new to me the whole corporate nuance that is new to me through the career so finding people like diana who make you believe that you can truly bring your authentic self to work in the truest sense and take your authentic sense outside outside corporate as well so that all boats rise you know i want to say that women of color in work are sometimes we are all in different boats in the same storm right we are all struggling with unique things be it as a woman a woman of color and an immigrant and so many other things how people perceive you how they want you to seek validation all of those senses of securities and insecurities they keep bubbling up but we don't have enough people who we can go out very fearlessly and bring your most vulnerable to self to say this is how i'm feeling and i don't feel good and or i feel good right there's very few people that you can truly bear your soul to so i don't want to ramble a lot but diana is my soul bearing partner hmm. at any time of the day or night yeah that is that vulnerability and psychological safety and and i don't know if it was an intentional or not but that was created quickly and right away and i think it's also the connection points cuz there's so few of us there's so few you know sometimes women there's so few sometimes women of color and we tend to look for people to create those connections with who are exactly like us like another black woman yeah. another indian woman another indian immigrant woman yeah. and i found in a lot of our conversations when we got vulnerable yes was there slight nuances and differences like yeah you're coming into room and doing this and you have an accent or there's some american phrasing and things like that that you know how do we trip where i we were able to use each other's strength and superpower to get to kind of progress forward and leah i actually think it was the same for me and you as you having a more engineering background very much that subject matter ex that technical skill set that requires you to really have a depth of knowledge in a space and navigate those situations versus my background was very different and i do think that that yin and the yang helped both of us get better you know what's your perspective you guys said so much you guys said so much just in like just in servi's intro right so i was like yeah. like how do i come back to it so i can't catch all of it and hopefully you know folks will take the opportunity to listen twice because your intro was so honest and when i think about the connection that i've made in corporate america it took me a really really long time to do it, it took a long time um to find other people that i felt like that dynamic could be created with but once i found it those relationships have become invaluable like right a part of my life and that's because so much of our career and life are so intertwined right the way we spend our time who we're connected to the type of acknowledgement that we get and the validation that whether we're seeking or not we are absolutely setting an expectation that you will feel valued in the space that you go into right so those connections are just so critical in order for you to build your confidence in order to you know somebody to give you a head nod like you're doing a good job right who sat in the front of a presentation and had people in the front row stone faced and like yep. stank 
right? That kills it. So you need, literally, you need people in your front row to nod and give you the go ahead and not to like paint over it like, oh, you're perfect. But to tell me when I'm out of pocket, like, yeah. yo, you're doing the most right now. Let's figure this out, right? But that's that's an aside. That's a one-on-one conversation. That's a real honest connection. And also to like applaud loudly and audaciously from the front row every time you do something amazing. So having heard a little bit more about um, both of you and the way that you guys were able to establish that kind of connection early on, what do you think that meant for other people who saw it, right? Like, how did that impact the environment that you were operating in when the two of you were in each other's orbit and like doing this beautiful dance? How did it affect the environment you were in? So, Robbie, I, I, I mean, Toby, I'd love to hear you first. I'll take on your analogy, Leah, right? There is sometimes music playing in, in a courtyard at a restaurant and everybody's liking it and head nodding and tapping their feet, but nobody's getting up to dance. I almost want to say that that's how me and Diana started dancing and we had so many people join in. It almost became a brood and a hood and more people who wanted to participate, who truly wanted to see, you know, all boats rise. There is that notion that folks want to dim your light because if I dim your light, as Diana says, I look brighter by making you look worse. Versus can we all be 100 watts? Can we all light up, you know, like Christmas and stuff? So I would say that's exactly what happened. Diana and me doing that sometimes organically, not even intentionally, and sometimes intentionally, it made people behave differently, operate differently, not just for business, but outside work. And I would say we both joined at a time where we had hardly met each other in person many a times. So it is so amazing to see that energy that is largely done over a virtual environment. We met over a handful of times, but the way we talk, you would we are almost like you would have pen pals back in the day. We used to write letters to friends across continents and we would know the most intimate details of each other, never having seen you, never having spoken to you. This is the new age version of pen pals where we just hit it off digitally. And every time we meet in person, it's like we've known each other for decades. I love it. I love the pen pal reference because that's classic. <laughs> that makes me so old. But no, it it me- people are Googling that right now. I like, know. What does that mean? Pen pal is like what you got, what social media is today, right? Yeah. Like social media is the modern version of pen pals, but now it includes pictures, digital pictures. Before, like I definitely sent hard copy pictures to my pen pal. It was a pen part pal of my- more direct messaging. Now it's like everybody knows your pen pal. Right. Yeah. Now everyone's your pen pal. So Diana, what was your observation, right? In in the environment. So I love that Serbi shared that other people began to join in. And then when people started to join in, how did you notice the environment and behavior of your peers and others in the room change? You know, I actually didn't really focus on them because the focus was on us and what we were building and, and, and not meaning like you can't be a part of anybody that joined in. Yes, we're in this, we're doing this thing. What I love what Serby said is about where you put your energy and we put our energy in the willing and so that meant, okay, great. Serbia's the willing, who else wants to come along? You know, and I think what other people started to do is set up time with us and be like, oh, I want to understand, like, how are you doing this? How did you get to that place? But I think the real key is, and like, I think your analogy around the pen pal is what, you know, crystallizes it, is it the vulnerability. There are topics and conversations that we do not talk about for some reason. Like we're trying to protect this external view of who we are um like the fear um you know oftentimes when i reach out to both of you the most it's when i'm at this point of fear and the hater in my head is telling me i'm wrong or i'm second guessing myself but you have to feel like you can go to somebody and say i'm scared 
or I, I have this emotion, you know, I think there are those moments when it's very emotionally driven, but when there's other moments where it's like the vulnerability of like, you know, I'm going to show you what I look like warts and all, because I need your help. We got to those stages where, you know, at one point it was just like, tell me how much you make, yeah. you know, I'm negotiating salary. Like I'm going to tell you, like, survey started it. I make this. What do you, what are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think being able to have that very vulnerable conversation, it started with just me and her, yeah. but I actually feel like it started a movement because we've brought other people into the mix, you know, whether it's somebody from my network, I send them to her or she sends them to me, but, but it also created the safety where like, I will very quickly lean into trust with somebody else. Like, why am I not sharing my salary with you? What is it? Cause I don't want you to know how much I make because what will happen once you have this information? other than the power of the pendulum shifting from corporations having the power to us giving the power to more women and people of color to be able to actually drive their destiny and build financial wealth from their family. And then what's the ripple effect of that? And I think in these small moments when we're vulnerable, we don't realize how much of a big impact they can have. And so, to the big impact, you know, Leah, so we run a forum along with some amazing other women of Eve, which is women in e-commerce and digital. And we brought this nuance to them. And you'll be amazed. There were how many hand raisers there were where people wanted to know by level, by skill set, what's the going rate in the in the sector. And you'll be amazed at how much variance this is, right? In all sorts of ways and means. And not just the money, the perks and so on, but at least creating a forum where people start becoming comfortable speaking that and getting energy from that to elevate everybody else, right? Initially in an anonymous way, right? Where I think that sense of comfort is still not there, but at least it starts making connections. The one-on-one pixels start getting connected. And more people start taking in, start taking inspiration from this. For me and Diana, it was organic, and it really helped us have a lot of conversations as we were navigating different processes and careers. But a lot of junior folks don't even have this information, right? And I think it's more valuable for them. I was just seeing an article this morning on LinkedIn. Leah, you might have seen that a recruiter, a black recruiter, posted. He was talking to a junior developer, saying, "You know, how much money do you expect?" And the developer was like. 80, 85K. And the guy was like, oh, I didn't hear you. A phone line is not good. And he's saying, I was saying 80, 85. I said, no, I heard 105. I'll put you in for 105. That's the right number, right? So it just tells you where people who know, who have the gift of knowledge and power are able to pay it forward beyond the benefit of their own, right? Take others along with you. And you, Diana rightly said, what's the end game? What happens if I make XK more or less than you, right? What happens after that? Do I think of you as lowly or highly? We don't go to that path, but we are just trained in corporate to not talk numbers. And once you get beyond that point, it, it becomes so much easier. It's almost talking like BMI and how many times you go to the gym. kind of thing. <laughs> Right, it's, it's commonplace. And you, you guys will both know, I love talking about salary. I love talking about compensation. I love talking about negotiation. And your example is one that like, now I feel like I have to like hold up. Because first you talked about vulnerability, right? And as someone who works directly with clients one-on-one in times where they're in this very, I'm not sure if I can dot, 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 right? Whatever the thing is. And they're coming to this place and they just, they're looking for a safe place. 
right? They're looking for a safe place, but they're also looking for a place that actually has valuable information, true assets, right? Knowledge. And that's the part that I feel like a lot of people when, you know, bringing it full circle, you join an organization, you're not sure who's with you or who's against you, right? If that has to be the very binary way we look at it. And then you, you're in the organization, you're, you feel like you're doing good work. You feel like you're bringing value to the organization. Then you find out that there's information that could have positioned you even better if you would have had that relationship to be able to ask, right? If you would have just been able to connect with that person. So I'm making it sound, you know, you guys have made it sound super seamless, like, you know, anyone can show up and do it, but we know that it takes effort, right? We know that it takes, you know, transparency. It also takes this idea that rising water, rising tide raises all boats, right? You have to believe that there has to be a certain perspective that abundance is out there for all of us in order for us to approach these vulnerable conversations. And I think for you guys, like now, because you're so, so senior, right? You guys are like legitimately executives. When you set the tone as an executive at that level, and you're creating that kind of community and that kind of equity in the background, it's like, okay, well then, people 10 levels below are like, well, then I can do the same, right? Those kinds of tones, that kind of expectation is really driven by what you hear directly coming from your leaders. What kind of culture do you want to create? So I really, I just, I love that. And um, Serby, you said something around money and perks, and I just want to put a pin in it because there's lots of other dimensions to compensation that have to be acknowledged And a lot of times we focus very much on the salary, which is important, right? It plays a role in the, in the grand scheme of things, but it's a slice of the pizza, right? It's a slice of the pie. So thinking about those other perks and having someone who's like, oh yeah, you could do that too. You could negotiate for this or, you know, make sure you talk about this or ask these kinds of critical questions. It's such a game changer. And so many of my clients have benefited tremendously from going through a real negotiation exercise because they have now insider information and you guys are doing that. And that's just like, game change period right like period with a t so talk just a little bit more about you know this what you see happening now for people who are coming up behind you right in the organizations that you're um the nonprofit organizations or the professional organizations that you guys are a part of now that you've found this connection and you know it exists and you're working to like change the little corner of the world that you own and you're responsible for. Talk just a little bit about what you're seeing and what you'd like to continue to see that would disrupt this two, you know, two strong women can't be in the same place and collaborate with one another. I think one part of it is just generational. That's something Diana keeps saying, right? We were born, I don't want to give away much about my beautiful skin or your beautiful skin. <laughs> we were born in the ages where the scarcity mindset was not as prevalent as it was before. We were also born in the ages where there were more women at work. They may not be executive, but there were more women, period, seeing at the workplace. So there is more comfort around doing this now than it might have been 20, 30 years back. So that's one. Second thing we are realizing is leadership is not always about titles. I mean, typically titles are for good or bad, a lot of times about your political acumen to get to the top of the house. But a lot of real leadership is simply about followership, who trusts you, who feels vulnerable and safe and confiding in you, asking you for coaching, guidance. I think me and Diana were able to inculcate that kind of behavior between us and show that to people downstream within the organization and outside that people came to us. Like Diana was like, people came literally out of the woodwork to say, how, how do you do this? What's your advice? There were people at the cusp sitting on the benches, warmed up, wanting to do it, but were never able to get off the hump. 
they sort of went all in and dived in and we saw so many people who we may or may not have got along right let's leave that to the side but they started demonstrating these newer behaviors to show scarcity is not a thing there is truly an abundance for everybody to rise yeah, diana I, i know you have tons on this yeah i think cuz i look you know for as people are coming up i think what i have found and what i'm trying to do is i stumbled into a lot of this knowledge by happenstance there have been some great women in my life and great men and actually a lot of the sponsors and folks that have helped me along have been white men but i didn't if i had known all this if i had known all of this information at an earlier age of the career like i would have been unstoppable So I think for me part of my privilege and my value proposition is that I want to be able to give that to other people. And I actually met with um a woman who both of Leah and I had worked with in the past um who you know is now you know on board seats and one of the things I asked her is you know I felt coming into an organization as a black woman she created this energy this environment and it wasn't a formal group it wasn't anything it was just like we are going to pay it forward i am going to pull and lift you up and we're going to create an environment where you feel like you can achieve things and i want to create that for others i do think the group eve does that really nicely and serbi doesn't give herself credit but she was one of the founding members of it and i do think we do that but now you know when i have mentoring session i lean into that vulnerability so quickly you know with my mentee from eve um i talked to her about you know when i bought my first house we we um when i bought my first house with my husband we used all of our savings this is how much money we used that first year we could only afford this amount of furniture we did like i am going into a level of because everybody right now has instagram and mm-hmm. um tiktok and they they see the the after yeah and nobody really gets to see the before yeah and what i try to show is that before and i also try to give the vulnerability of like most of the time like every time i talk in a meeting most of the time when i talk i present very confident most of the time i'm like what the hell did you just say why did you say that you sounded like a moron so i need those connections with people to counterbalance the hater in my head but also that i think there's this false perception especially for more junior folks that may look at me in a meeting or in a presentation like that woman has her shit together i'm a hot mess a lot of the times <laughs> and i think be giving that vulnerability like you can be all of these things you know and as a woman of a certain age I, it gets better i feel like every couple of years but it's still not ideal and we have to recognize the fact that it's you know uh, we talk a lot about imposter syndrome and you know serbia and i had this conversation as she was prepping for something you know we talk about imposter syndrome but the reality is the environments that we live in and what we have to go through has told us that we should not exist in these places and spaces but despite that despite all the efforts in place to keep us from these roles still we persist and still we have shown up and, and we are here If you are in your mind are comparing yourself to any of those other people whose the world has been designed for them to be, get ahead, then you are not giving yourself credit for the grit, the resilience, the knowledge and the capability that it takes to get to where you are and sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. Right. Not just the limitations that we have, but the superpowers and the strengths that got us here despite the fact that these systems weren't designed for us. And I think that's why sometimes we need each other just to remind us 
that we are here despite all of that. And that in itself is exceptional. Correct. I mean, we are always swimming upstream, right? As, as given our demographics and such. One thing I, you said, Diana, which is really beautiful that speaks to the people junior who might be listening to this one is don't compare your beginning to somebody's middle. So you are looking at Diana Hosling's middle or evolved form which she has swam upstream for so many times, done so many faux pas, and now she feels confident and she's still evolving, but you are still in the beginning of that and you are viewing her where she's in the middle and she's in the mature state. So that's really important for us to, because we also look at other people's middle as we are somewhere in the middle, right? It's always relative and it pushes us to keep raising the bar, but at the same time being conscious, we are literally swimming upstream. We are literally the first in many, many ways, the onlys and the lonelies in many, many ways. And we need all of us to keep swimming upstream. So I love your swimming upstream analogy because I feel like that is tangible, right? Because because a lot of people I'm hearing now, especially coming out of the virtual work environment, the hybrid work environment, working remote, all of the variables that we've been navigating over the last two and a half years, you know, racial tension, crazy unrest, you know, yeah. just nonsense, right? People are tired. People are, are feeling mentally exhausted. And that mental exhaustion is real. And I think going into environments where there's someone else that is going to acknowledge you, right? And is going to be a partner for you takes that notch down a little bit. So now you're feeling like, okay, well, I don't have to um, adjust. I don't have to contort myself when I'm in the room with these people, right? Or I don't have to expect, I don't have to brace myself for what may be coming when I'm in the room with these people, right? Because not only are they not gonna you know, send me that kind of energy, but if it comes up, we're gonna work on this together, right? We're gonna come at this from different perspectives yeah. and be yeah. allies for one another. So I just think that's so amazing and powerful. And the other thing it made me think of as both of you were talking is this opportunity to operate in your own authenticity and being your most authentic self, it feels the best, right? Yeah. It feels natural. It, it feels, feels like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. You're in flow. You can find your flow. You can, you know, really get into a rhythm and you can add a tremendous amount of value because you're doing less of the overthinking about, you know, is how am I being received? And I think the other thing authenticity does is it silently gives other people permission to do the same. And your example that you guys talked about with Eve was a silent example of other people to do the same. You set a tone, you open a door, and then you don't know the people that you're influencing coming on the backside of it until it actually happens. And so that shock wave comes back and they're like, oh man, three years ago, you said this thing. And since then I've been building my life around it, but you didn't do it for them. You did it for you, but they benefited from it and their life has been changed. And that's the cycle that we're trying to really work on and create. And lastly, when you're your most authentic self, your tribe is attracted to you. The people, the yeah. energy, the angels, all of the things that you want and deserve in your life, when you're showing up as your most authentic self, those people come your way. And they don't, if you're not being authentic, because they're like, okay, well, maybe she's not really ready for this, or maybe she won't receive me well. But when you're operating in your own authenticity and you're feeling good about it, people are like, hey, I like that. I like that energy. That feels right. We can collaborate. We can work together. So I think what you guys have created here is certainly something that is for the ages and I will be referencing back. So, you know, I'll make sure, I'll make sure to give you guys credit for the story, but it's such a fantastic example um, 
that I think more people should hear about. And I think as we're, you know, lots of people are in the market right now looking for new jobs, looking for new opportunities, leaning in on that vulnerability kind of early on might be something that someone can try for the first time. So they may not have done it before and may not have seen it in their previous organization. So taking advantage and doing that would, you know, could really be amazing. There is totally room for all of us, Leah, all of us on this call, all of the women who are listening, all of the men who are listening. These are truly not the times of scarcity, right? If scarcity were true, you know, think of the internet. There would not be so many websites, right? Do we ever get get uh, get bored of websites to visit, or do you ever have you ever heard of anybody scraping the bottom of the Netflix barrel? That doesn't happen, right? There is abundance of everything, be it Netflix or the internet or information or you being vulnerable to be authentic and share. And I love when you say, Leah, when you start becoming authentic, other people follow you knowingly or unknowingly. I'll give you a very funny anecdotal example. I stopped coloring my hair through COVID and initially I was conscious and uncomfortable. And then I love my grays now. I have spoken to Diana so many times to, for a variety of different reasons why I kept the gray hair, but you get used to it. And I noticed some of my friends have stopped coloring their hair. It's not to say I'm a trendsetter. I'm nowhere a fashionista or anything, but it starts giving permission to people to be authentic, be it physically or in your mannerisms or you know how you bring your whole self to work and life, right? Yeah, and even I though you stop, yes. even though you stop coloring your hair, people always think that you're young, which is hilarious to me. Yeah, they don't. They, they just it just doesn't. Regardless, because she's so petite, it looks so good though. Like yeah. I, I find gray hair to be yeah. so so attractive and so like badassery, like for people to really show up in that way. Mine will not. You know, yours is all nice and organized and beautiful and rich in color. Mine is like one gnarly gray hair, like poking out the side of my head. So I'm waiting for the season when, when mine behaves as well as yours does and I can make it a style. But I think you said something there and I wanna and I want to get both of your opinion on it. So but you talked about men can also play a role in some of this, right? Men can play a role. They have a responsibility. What would you say the responsibility of men in senior influential positions is if you could tell them directly this is the guidance or this is the air cover you should be providing in order to see more successful, talented black and brown women literally blow the doors off your organization, like transform your organization into something that is amazing and bring a tremendous amount of value. What would you advise them to do? Diana, I'd love to hear you first. And then Serbia, I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, I think it's really being knowledgeable and smart how to leverage your privilege. So, and what that looks like. What does that mean? It means I don't need you to be my voice, but I need you to make the space. There are times where I need you to say the thing that I can't say and recognizing where those, when those times are. I think that's also extremely critical to share the information. You know, I have a number of, you know, they happen to be white male, white males who are in very senior roles. When I go to do a negotiation, and this is kind of where this all started with Serbia because I said, okay, well, I call these guys and I mean, they're rich white guys. And I'm like, okay, what would you ask for? What would you do? What do you push on? You know, I, I, I asked them for that, that knowledge that I wouldn't get from like, like uh, Serbia said, because, you know, for her, she's newer to the country. So there's just some things about dynamics in the US that are slightly different. So how do you get that perspective? So giving your knowledge, leveraging your voice where it's appropriate, okay? So, so there's some spaces and times where, you know, if you're a white man, you need to take a seat. You need to take all the seats. But there are other times where you need to use your voice to say the thing that I can't say. And then creating the space 
So, you know, I don't need you to translate my ideas, make the space for me in the room so that my ideas, not only can I speak them, but that they can be heard. If somebody else in a meeting takes one of my ideas, instead of me having to step up and push back for myself, you do that. You jump in and be like, I think Diana made that point and circle it back. So I think it's, it's that notion of like, just as leaders, you know, an organization, you know, men, especially white men need to really work on understanding how to leverage their privilege as a leadership skill so that they can drive change and push things forward. And, and I think my last piece to that is raising better sons. Mm. You know, I'm working really hard to raise a really good human. I personally am a feminist. Mm. I am raising a feminist. And if we raise better sons, then a lot of those earlier things that I talked about won't be issues yeah. because we'll have better people at the table and we'll have better dialogues and discussions. And we won't have to think about, practice, work on, prepare for having to maneuver spaces and rooms that weren't met or designed for us. So beautifully said, Diana. I don't know if I have anything to add to that. I, I will simply say that, you know, men and others wait and watch for those verbal and non-verbal cues that you get from people like us because you have enough data to make decisions and step in where you need to step in. But at the same time, be conscious. We are not looking for molly coddling. We are not looking for white glove treatment. We are not looking for patronizing behavior because they can be a fine line, right? So respect us for what we say and what we command and what we demand. Let our voice not be drowned let other people not take credit for what we do and be overt about it. Stand up and make an example about it so others can watch your behavior, learn from it and be better humans. Well, that's a good point you brought up, Serbi, around this like uh, condescending or coddling. It's not about like, you know, I need you to be my, you know, and I, this is an actual thing. So my great white savior or something like that. Yep. I, I need you to make it very visible to other people that we're peers. Yep. Or I need you to make it very visible that my opinion, my voice, my thoughts are valued. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything I, I say, but how do you tip the room to understand those type of things? I think oftentimes women, especially women of colors, we get a ton of mentoring. And I think what we're talking about is, yes, is are there time and places and spaces where we need mentoring? Yes. We're talking about actual sponsorship. Yeah. And that, that's a whole nother episode, right? That we could probably get into around sponsorship. But I think you guys have set a really um, excellent table for clear expectations for leaders who are thinking about the next generation of leaders that they're trying to create. What types of environment do you need to create as an existing leader to make space for the next generation of leaders? Because we already know that diversity is a good business decision. Yes, it's the right thing to do. Yes, bringing in, um, you know, community of people looks good aesthetically, but it also just makes good business sense. But you have to create an environment in a culture where those people will be able to be received well and that they're not going to run away from because it's like, yo, I don't need this. There are lots of great organizations now. People are doing the right thing. A lot of opportunity, especially at your levels, you have the benefit of choice. You can choose what organization you want to participate in. You can choose what panel you want to be on. You can choose what nonprofit board you want to serve on. You have the benefit of choice. So it's up to the organization, right? And the environment to create a space where you'll be welcomed and acknowledged, right? And, and you'll want to stay because the benefit of choice is what you worked so hard for. 
right? You spent your whole career, your whole educational experience creating the the assets so that you can make a choice. And I absolutely love it. And I'm so excited to see what's to come. You guys are dopeness. So um, any final thoughts, any closing thoughts or recommendations for you have? If there's a woman who's kind of listening to this episode and saying, you know, I feel inspired, but I'm not really sure where to start. How do I um, put this into practice? I love to give folks kind of tangible steps to kind of get into action as quickly as possible after hearing this kind of really inspirational, like how do you make it fit? How do you make it sticky? Um, Serbia, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'll build on what you were just saying, Leah. You know, diversity, so to say, is in vogue right now. It's fashionable. That is awesome. And maybe doing diversity, encouraging diversity is slightly easier because there are more voices across the ecosystem speaking to it. What is harder is the equity and inclusion part because you can get all the diverse talent but are you making them feel at home, bringing their authentic self and being truly equitable and being truly able to include them? But to your question, I would say, I just have the experience of my own life and my recent experiences, especially with Diana and other powerful women in the ecosystem, start with a place of vulnerability and sense of security. Go by lowering your bar on what you want others to do for you and just start giving more before you start expecting more. Right, share more information, be more truthful, be more vulnerable, be fearless. And I think that's a very brave thing to do, to be fearless. It, it is amazing. It's almost like saying when you walk down the street and you smile, people smile back. It's sort of like that. Be vulnerable and honest and people will give it back to you. For the most part, you know, it's not a formula set, but find those partners who are willing to smile back at you and build your tribe slowly but surely. But feel free to ping people like us. We are always there to help in any shape or format. You don't have to be in digital or the works that we do. You don't have to be in our industry, but we truly are believers that if we can elevate anybody in their work environment or non-work environment, or just be an ear to listen and give them counsel, that's that's a good purpose we have served by coming to the ranks that we have come. Yeah, I mean, I, I love everything that you said, Serbi. And I think I would add doing a risk assessment it's hard to just say like, yeah, go ahead, be vulnerable. You know, that's, that's you know, it's how we made it sound super easy, but do the risk assessment. You know, what happens if I share the thing? Okay, it could go wrong. They could be, a, you know, a bad human and it could go wrong, but what could happen? What bad thing could happen? And then if that happens, is it the end of the world? Most likely the consequence that you're concerned about isn't a big deal but you, you gain an insight and a learning like bad human. What were the things about this person or flags I should have caught earlier? That's not the type of person I'm going to be vulnerable with. Let me move on to the next one. What I want to make sure people don't do is try this out once and it doesn't go well. And then you abandon it because there are people and Serbian and I have experienced this together with each other where we leaned in on and afterwards we were like, mm -mm, nope, not a good place. The good thing is like, sometimes I've found out and I've been able to say, yeah, that's not a good place. Uh, or vice versa. So you, you, you are going to have some duds along the way and that's fine, but you'll find your people. And when you find your people, typically it's, you know, don't look at those obvious things, but there are things about them that are consistent and similar. Like if I look at Leah and Serbi right now, there are so many things about them and the type of humans that they are, the passions that they have for what they do, the passion that they have for the the society, the way that they're really intentional about how they speak to and are raising their children. There's so many things 
that are so consistent and common amongst them. But most people would look at where they grew up, the color of their skin, the, the career they have and all these things and not see those similarities. But I have found from my tribe, there is an energy that is similar across the globe. So really be intentional about identifying what are those things, those people that feed into you and fuel you and look for those type of people. And that's where it starts. The last piece I would say is really understand the difference between vulnerability and complaining and venting. There is some of that of expressing your fear. There is some of that of, you know, Ugh, I got to deal with this person. But typically in these relationships, whenever I go too far down that path, I can hear, because I, I did it yesterday with survey, I can hear her saying, what's with all of this, all of these words, the things, like, what, what are we doing? Why are we saying all these things? Um, let's move on. And, and like, if the person's not willing to check you and pull you out, because then you become an energy suck for them. So just be really conscious of that and be conscious of the energy that you bring in the room. But it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to have to work on it in practice and it's going to be uncomfortable. But boy, when you do it and you find the right people and you do it, do it right, the richness that it gives your life is definitely worth it. So you guys basically brought it full circle. You did such, man, you guys are like platform excellence because this idea that we started off with, with letting fear fuel you, right? It's going to feel a little bit scary. It's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. You're going to have to get vulnerable. And there is some risk, right? In seeking out this tribe, seeking out this community of people to find more like-minded individuals that you can carry through your career with, right? And do career together, right? I call, I call my husband, like the person I'm doing life with. This is my partner, right? I need somebody to do career with in order to help me navigate in some of these spaces, but the richness that comes as a result of finding just one, just two, just three people to do career with is, you know, immeasurable, right? It's exponential impact to, to your ability to show up, to be authentic and to take calculated risk in your career, which I really feel like is such a game changer. And so many of us don't take that calculated risk because we don't have that tribe. We don't have that psychological safety. So we've never gotten to the point where we're prepared to push ourselves in that way. Lots of my cl clients have kind of come back and said that, right? I know that I'm capable, but the environment may not be telling me the same. So building that tribe can really change the game in your career. So thank you, ladies. This has been such, such, such a rewarding, amazing conversation. It's literally made my day. I know that I'm really, I'm the squishy one in this conversation, but like just being here and having a whole love fest um, about not only the things that are hard in our career, but also the things and the people that make career and make work feel okay, right? Feel good, feel like a good part of our lives has been amazing. So I'd like to thank both of you for joining us today. Diana is my amazing co-host who's holding us down while I'm on maternity leave. And Serbia is just like, you know, now now we're in each other's tribe. I just, I don't know if you knew that, like that happened. That was it. Do career with. That's, <laughs> right. that's my takeaway. That's I have it. so many fun people to do career with. To or do, do life with you and right? Exactly. It's exactly. so gratifying, right? Career is one part of what we do as we go away from family and our children and everything. But I have come to a point where I feel this is my tribe who I do life with, right? So thank you so much, Leah. This has been very gratifying. Awesome. Yeah, it's one big group project. <laughs> one big group project. I love it. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of Career Gems for the Journey podcast. Please continue to join us. Check us out on LinkedIn and on Instagram. If you're looking for some social vibes, we have those there. 
We appreciate you for riding with us and we will see you on the next episode. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and Career Gems for the Journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.